We so thank you for joining us at Connections Podcast. We, as educators of human connection, invite and encourage healing and facilitate personal growth through impeccable honesty, rigorous personal responsibility, and vulnerable humility. We invite everyone who's interested in gaining greater connection with oneself, others, and God to continue on your educational road to happiness and joy through our simple yet life-changing three-step curriculum. First, search our library for personal learning, podcasts, videos, and workbooks. Second, register with our classroom for familial, parental, expert, and business classes. And third, join our community for personal coaching and group practicums. Thank you again and enjoy our podcast. All right, so today we're going to be talking about connection versus disconnection. And so, you know, what both of those are and how they play out in our everyday lives. All of us are either in one state or the other. We're either in a disconnected state or in a connected state. And connection and disconnection, um, quote-unquote, happens with the power of our choices or the, the, the vibrational um, energy or outcomes of the choices that we make. So it, it's kind of... Um, positive to know that there's only two places to be. <laughs> You're either in a connected state or in a disconnected state. You know, I just had uh, one of my children ask me this afternoon, um, how often are you connected during the day? And I sat there and I thought about that and I thought, well, my answer was, um, anytime I'm not in drama, um, I'd be connected. And so drama pretty much covers everything. So if I'm in fear, anxiety, if I'm self-loathing, if I'm in a, um, a a place where I'm being really reactionary and, um, you know, drama, once you understand drama, um, you can appreciate why that would be kind of a catch-all. So if you don't understand drama, go to the podcasts that talk about drama and learn about those and see if that fits for you. So that was my answer, is that anytime I'm not in drama <laughs> and then... Um, he said to me, so when are you not in drama? <laughs> and I chuckled at him and I said, well, I, I hope that I'm not in drama very often. And I explained sometimes over the weekend that I had been in drama um, and had been disconnected. Uh, I had driven down to um, the southern part of the state and I had my dog, uh, who's a fairly good-sized dog, she's a German Shepherd, in the back of my truck and it was late on a Saturday afternoon. I had worked all week. I was tired. I was exhausted. And she had been home alone all week, um, you know. And so she was quite anxious as well and wanted to get out and run around. And here I put her in inside of the cab of a truck and kind of cooped her up. And so she was antsy and she was jumping all over the place. And, and I started going into drama with her. The dog was persecuting me. And so I was telling him about that story and how I real I could feel the drama happening as I was uh, making my choices of how to perceive um, the experience with the dog. And so it took me some time to um, reframe everything and realize that you know I was overwhelmed, she was anxious, I was anxious, and um, change my thoughts and make different choices 
to uh, help her calm down and thus help myself calm down and thus get out of drama. So let's talk about connection. Like what is connection? And then let's describe what is disconnection. So connection is about the ability to empathize. So sometimes people don't know what empathy is. Sometimes they think it's, it's sympathy, and it's, it's actually not. Empathy is more about emotionally connecting, like being vulnerable with a person, whereas sympathizing is only mentally um, connecting with somebody. So it's like um, if I were to say I, um, you know, my, my dog got hit by a car, Someone might sympathize and just mentally say, oh, I'm sorry, yet not feel any kind of um, sadness or grief or loss or pain. Um, and so sympathizing is more of a mental experience. It's, it's more of a, it's not risking with the person. It's not being vulnerable with the person. Whereas empathizing is about feeling that person's pain. So imagining um, something that you love now being gone, feeling grief, feeling sadness, feeling loss. That's empathizing with someone. So it's a much more vulnerable thing to do, to empathize. So connection is about learning how to empathize, about learning how to relate, so mentally, emotionally, um, being able to see what's going on, like witness the other person, being able to validate and be vulnerable, it's about uh, being raw, being open, being transparent, being willing to risk, being emotionally available to appreciate what the other or even myself is experiencing. Uh, you don't have to agree about what you're experiencing or say that I'm fine with what I'm experiencing or the other person um, or like what you're experiencing or even want the experience. You only get to connect with it. You get to accept it. And that's what connection looks like. Now, there's, there's many, many other ways to describe connection, but those are kind of the, the, the seedlings, the, the, the foundational structure of connection are those characteristics. So being able to, um, um, let's see, Actually, I'll stop right there. I don't want to get too deep into that. So disconnection, what is that? Um, it's being able to um, recognize when you're not open. Uh, disconnection is about being in drama. So it's about not relating, not re relating emotionally or um, you know, socially. Uh, and it doesn't mean just because you don't agree, you're not relating. It means that you're in some kind of, um, um, of, an, of a place where you are being very judgmental. Um, again, it, it's more of just being in drama. I mean, disconnection is about, about being in victim, being in persecutor. Um, it's taking things personal, which you'll probably recognize um, if you listen to these podcasts, that taking things personal is about being in shame. So disconnect is where I don't know how to be vulnerable, I don't know how to validate, I don't, I don't either want to or know how or feel safe that I can empathize. Um, it's where I invalidate uh, 
Invalidation, if you don't know what that is, I have a podcast on validating and also includes invalidation. So these two experiences of connecting disconnection, you know, connection versus disconnection, they're always a choice away. And the way that we animate these two principles is that we have experience. So we are constantly having experiences. Um, we are, um, we, we, we can't not have experience. I was just trying to think of how to explain this. So experience is constant. It's as constant as our breath. I'm having an experience right now talking to you. Um, and though I can't see you, I'm imagining, um, what you might be thinking about this concept or these concepts. Um, Really quick, I want to put a pause right there on experience and go back to connecting and disconnecting. I want to talk about um, connection and disconnection can also be seen or experienced through nonverbals. So connection um, can be, or actually both of them, connection or disconnection can be experienced through people smiling, um, handshakes, hugging, um, verbally sharing gratitude, um, um, becoming curious, asking questions, uh, engaging in the act of surrender, knowing what your motives are. And so if someone gives you a smile or someone slaps you on the back or um, gives you a hug, you may not know if that's a connecting kind of a thing or a disconnecting kind of a thing because you don't know what their motives are. Um, however, when someone surrenders, or someone's asking questions about you, uh, there's a high likelihood that they are doing that because they are very connected to themselves and they're curious about you and want to get to know you better. Uh, but the nonverbals are more difficult because you don't know what they mean. Um, you only know what your motives are. So if you're smiling, you're hugging, you're uh, winking or um, handshaking, you've got to know, is that coming from a connected place or a disconnected place? Um, because you could have, you know, you could give somebody a smile and it could be, um, it could be false or fake or um, uh, disgenuine. So let's go back to this idea of experience. This is how we act out connection or disconnection is through experience. So our experiences are neutral, and um, and we will project connection or disconnection onto those experiences. So you get to know who you are and if you connect or if you disconnect. Um, you know, if you just look at your life, it's kind of like the question my child asked me was like, how often are you connected or how often are you disconnected during the day? And I think about this kind of stuff. And so I, I, you know, for the most part, know whether I'm connected or disconnected because I know what it feels like inside my body. Um, so another way to know if you're connected or not is how conscious are you? Um, our consciousness level will absolutely uh, relate or correspond with our connection or disconnection level in that. When we're conscious, um, we are then choosing to either be connected or not. When we are unconscious about things, um, we probably are in disconnection. 
Um, and so my son said to me, so do you ever like zone out? And I said, sure I do. Um, but usually I'm very aware of, of the fact that I'm zoning out and I'm kind of consciously zoning out. <laughs> um, I rarely will just zone out because of disconnection. But, you know, a lot of us can do that. The only reason that um, that doesn't really resonate with me anymore is because I've really practiced um, staying aware of where I'm at emotionally and what I'm thinking um, from moment to moment. But there have been many, many, many times before I learned how to do this where I would absolutely check out because I wouldn't know what was happening. I wouldn't know how I felt about something, and so I would disconnect from it. And, um, you know, go distract myself by exercising or eating or sleeping or going out with friends or things like that. So I want to share a story that actually happened um, the last couple days to myself and um, interweave connection and disconnection throughout this story. Because, again, we all have stories. We have millions of them because we have millions of experiences. And there are some experiences that are just fantastic, and they illustrate these principles in such dynamic and sometimes dramatic or traumatic um, fashions. So this story happened to me this weekend, um, and so as I tell the story, I'm going to uh, stop and put the term connection or disconnection to certain things. Now, what I want to say is that if someone else would have had this experience, they might have done things different, which they probably would have, um, and they might have done um, they might have done the same things, but they could have come at it from a from a, a, a disconnected position. If I came at it from a connected position, somebody else might have been disconnected, and vice versa. I could have been disconnected, and somebody else could have done it in a connected way. And so this isn't about good, bad, right, wrong. This is more about my level of consciousness and these kids that came with me on this experience, their level of consciousness, and how they experienced this along with how I experienced it. Because that's what's wonderful is that when we have an experience, depending on how many people are involved in the experience, um, can be as many ways that we can interpret the experience. And so remember, experiences are neutral. And we are going to put our own stuff onto the experience. We are either going to experience it through a connected lens or a disconnected lens. And remember, because we can always choose any moment during the experience, you can flip-flop from connection to disconnection, from connection to disconnection, back and forth, back and forth. The goal from my vantage point, the goal for me anyways, is to be as connected as possible during life's experiences. That's my goal. So here's the story. Um, we, every summer, well, for the past six summers, we have uh, taken a boat down to a beautiful lake um, here in, in the state that we live in. And um, it's a very popular tourist site. And so I was getting the, the boat and the trailer and the truck and everything that we needed to have ready um, so that we could take off right after I got done with working. 
And so um, I had uh, spent the the next the, you know the last couple weeks um, getting the boat uh, ready for the season, and had the tires checked on the truck and also on the trailer. And had felt like I had everything ready. The boat was packed. The truck was packed. Um, getting permission slips from the the children. There were four four. There were let's see. There were four of us that went. There were three um, teenage boys and myself. And so I needed permission slips from all of their parents uh, to make sure that um, they, uh, you know, if something happened, that I had uh, permission to take care of them medically. And so all of those things felt really connected, you know, being responsible about checking the, the, the truck and the, the trailer that the boat was riding on and um, getting the food and all of that felt really responsible, um, really honest, and um, I appreciated that it was going to take a lot of time. And so between myself and my son, we got all these things ready. So that felt like a really connecting experience. So then we uh, get in the truck and it's about 7.30 in the evening, so it's not dark yet, um, but it, we're heading into nightfall. And we're driving along, and the boys are talking to each other, and we're all kind of discussing stories and discussing their high school experiences. Some of, the, some of them had graduated. Some of them were seniors this year. They were laughing and joking around, and everyone was participating. There was no sarcasm or aggression or passive-aggressiveness or drama and it felt really connecting. I remember thinking as I was driving at how enjoyable this experience is. Um, and so um, as we were going along, I really appreciated these boys, though they didn't realize how connected they were probably, um, for their their attitude, their, their angles on how they have been experiencing their, you know, 17, 18-year-old years of life. So as we were going along, um, and they were, you know, listening to music and things like that and talking, the check engine light came on. And I had an experience right there to either show up in a connected or a disconnected way. So in my head, my first thought was, oh my goodness. Now, just because I said, oh my goodness, does not mean I disconnected. It meant disconnection you can have animation and intense emotion when you're connected as long as it's um, it's equal to the experience. Now, I'm the one that gets to choose whether it's equal to the experience. Nobody else is. Um, but if I would have like slammed on the brakes and said, we have to stop, we can't go any further, the check engine light came on, um, we have to turn around and go back home, that might have been disproportionate for what just happened. Now, I know my automobile, and sometimes when I'm pulling a heavy load, um, the check engine light will come on. And I've had it checked before, and they've told me that it's, it's not anything significant. It just pops on um, when the engine is really being challenged. And so when I saw it, I just had that thought in my head, and I stayed really calm and thought, you know, that's probably what's going on. And so I didn't disconnect at that moment. Um, so then I was noticing the beauty, the sunset, the landscapes. I was feeling grateful for the, you know, my health and the opportunity to go on this vacation. And I appreciated the laughter in the car. And so those kind of things were very connecting for me. Um, 
One of the things that was going on simultaneously to all of this was that we did not have any air conditioning in the car. It had stopped working probably three months ago, and um, because it was winter, we really didn't need it. But here we were in the middle of um, the end of June, beginning of July, and it was very, very hot. And we had told the kids that uh, we were going to stop um, halfway to our destination and uh, meet Rick. And now, if those of you who have listened to podcast number 52 um, around validation and vulnerability and shame, um, I talk about Rick. Rick is the gentleman that I met about two years ago who helped me with my truck last time I had a experience and experience around um, um, trucks and boating and those kind of things. And so we had a plan to meet Rick. He was expecting us to be there at about 10 o'clock at night. And he was going to fix the air conditioning for us. And so, though the, the, the truck was very, very hot, and with that many more bodies in it, it was even more, more warm, um, I was, for me anyways, I was uh, doing what I could to stay connected, even though I was very, very uncomfortable. I could hear the drama of my shame coming in, saying, you know what, this is really uncomfortable and this isn't fair and I, I don't know if I can stand this anymore. Um, but I was, you know, aware of it. And so I was able to challenge those thoughts and not follow that kind of thinking. Because if I would have, then I would have started feeling those kind of emotions of poor me, this isn't fair, um, I'm going to quit, those kind of things. So, um Instead, I turned it into, I'm so grateful that I know Rick and I'm going to be able to stop in a few minutes and have Rick um, help me fix the air because he's very knowledgeable about those kind of things. So I just flipped it into gratitude instead of shame. So we pulled up to um, Beaver at about 1030. So it was re really late at night. It was pitch, pitch black. And we jumped out of the truck, and we had just been in a really connecting experience for the last hour and a half, two hours. And as we all jumped out of the truck to um, go into the gas station to find Rick, a woman came up from behind me, and she tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, excuse me. And like I said, it was dark outside, and so, you know, um, I couldn't really see her very well. And I said, yes, and, and I had all the boys with me. And she said, I, th I think something flew off the back of your boat. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. She goes, something flew off and it hit the ground and it sparked and then it disappeared, in, you know, in the, in, the, in the night. And so we all just kind of walked back over to the truck towards the boat. And I was looking up at the tower and I was looking at it to see what could have flown off because everything was buttoned down. And as I was... Looking at the boat, my eyes glanced down to the the, the tire well. And um, right as I saw the tire well, this woman next to me said in this very, I mean, I'm going to say it the way she said it because it was so, it was so disconnecting the way she said it to me. It was my experience um, that I was more, it really caught my attention. So here I am, all of a sudden I see in the tire well that one of our tires is gone. Um, it's not just loose, it's completely gone and the axle is completely broken off, like the metal's all twisted. And so right as I'm looking at it, I'm feeling this panic 
and terror and fear of what could have happened when because that tire flew off. And right as I started feeling that kind of horrific uh, danger response, she says, oh, your tire flew off. And she kind of chuckled afterwards. And I was in such a state of connecting to the to the danger that we were in and had been in and the panic and the, and the, the grave concern, um, of what could have happened that when she presented it like that, it felt really disconnecting to me because it didn't feel like her response fit the gravity of the danger that we had just been in. If that makes sense. Now, again, this is my experience. This isn't right, wrong stuff. This is about me interpreting my experience. And so for me, it really was, um, it, it was, um, it felt like conflict inside me, emotional conflict, because I had been in that truck with all those kids and we were driving down the freeway 80 plus miles an hour with a boat behind us that was 12, 13,000 pounds on three wheels. And so <laughs> I didn't know the kind of danger we were in because I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, but I could feel it. I could feel that that was not good. And so <laughs> to have her chuckle oh, your, your tire flew off. It just felt really disconnecting to me. And I actually looked, you know, because I was, I was kind of leaning over looking at the metal, and I looked up at her like, what? <laughs> um, so right then, um, Rick came walking over to the truck because he saw us pull up. He's like, hey, Jody, how are you doing? And, and I said, Rick, I said, we have... A bigger problem on our hands than the air conditioning. He's like, what, what is it? And I said, we lost a tire. And he's walking over and he's looking at it and he's assessing it for like 10 seconds. And he's looking at it and he looks at me and he's like, all I can say, Jody, is that you have someone looking out after you. He's like, I cannot believe. He goes, you didn't just lose the tire, you lost the whole axle of the tire. And I said, I, I don't know what that means. I know that's bad. <laughs> I know I can hear the danger and the fear in your voice. What does that mean? He goes, um, you know, you're, you're just fortunate that you made it here. Um, and you're not going anywhere on this tire. You're, you're not, you know, you've got to get a new tire. So by the way that Rick responded, it let me know that we had absolutely been in grave danger and that we were fortunate to be stopped and that nothing horrific happened. And so he just said, you're going to have to get a new tire. And I said, well, how, how do we do that, Rick? And he said, well, this is a specialty um, trailer. And so, you know, chances are they're back east. And right then I disconnected. Right then. Because I had just taken a week off of work. And I was very excited about um, going down and, and playing for a week on the boat and the lake. And when he said that to me, I went into total drama because he had suggested that we would have to get an axle from back east, which, you know, could take two weeks or something. And I went into, oh, no, this is bad. I can't believe this is happening. This is not fair. 
Um, why does this happen to me? It was the same thing. It felt like a repeat of two years ago. Um, and again, if you'd listened to podcast 52, you'll hear the exact same story. It was the night we had left to go on the vacation when the truck seized, the engine seized, and we had no truck to pull the trailer. So same kind of deal. The very night we had left, I had the whole week off and he said, your boat's not going anywhere. So as we talked about options, I just kept saying, Rick, and I kept trying to get connected back to myself, like, okay, how do we fix this? How do we fix it? And I went into fix-it mode. I was trying to resolve the issue, but I wasn't really paying attention to the emotions that were going on. Now, there's nothing inappropriate about trying to fix something um, if it's yours to fix. And, but the, 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 the issue comes when you try to fix something that's not yours when it's somebody else and you're just trying to fix it because it's so uncomfortable for you that you just want to get it resolved so that you get it out of, you know, your purview or your, um, it's not in your experience anymore. That's when it becomes disconnecting. So the fact that this was my issue, um, me going into fix it mode without really thinking about how I was feeling was, was an appropriate thing to do. Um, there was plenty of time to feel the experience uh, after we got some kind of resolution going. So Rick found a number on the trailer and said, well, there's a, there's a number here, and they're actually in the town that you live in. He said, why don't you just call them tomorrow and see if they have an axle? And he got down there with his flashlight, and he goes, and you're really lucky. He goes, this particular um, uh, axle is one that you can take on and off. You don't need the whole entire um you know, undercarriage of the trailer fixed. He's like, so you got one thing going for you. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> That's great. And so um, we had our dog with us. And so we were going to drive down another hour and a half and drop her off at a location. And so I said to Rick, I said, here's what we'll do. We'll drive down. We'll drop the dog off. We'll spend the night. And then we'll call the store in the morning. And if they have the part, then I'll send the boys up in another car and they can go get it back at our hometown, which is like three hours behind us. And he goes, okay, great. Just bring it down and then we can put it on uh, Friday afternoon. And you guys can be on your way. So we got in the truck to head even further away from where the part was because Beaver is like in the middle. We live in a place um, that's about, like I said, three hours from Beaver or two hours from Beaver. And the place that we were going for the night was another hour and a half on the other direction of Beaver. So south of Beaver. And we live north of Beaver. And so um, we go down. And uh, it's about 1130. And I'm just sitting. It's quiet in the truck. The boys are a little bit somber. We unhitched the, the boat and um, left it there at the gas station. And we're driving down um, to southern Utah. And... Um, uh, one of the kiddos in the back who I didn't know very well. I've seen him several times um, over at my home um, and I know that he's my son's friend, but I don't know his parents and I, and I don't know him very well. And he says to me, um, I, I, I'm wondering if something could work. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, my dad has a jet and I turned around, you know, I'm sitting there driving and I turned around and I said, a jet plane? And he said, yeah, yeah, he's a pilot and he has a jet and he likes to fly a lot. 
And so maybe if he's flying tomorrow um, and the, the people have the part, then my mom could just go get the part from the store and take it to my dad, and then he could fly it down to the airport in Beaver. <coughs> and I was, I was flabbergasted. I was like, wow, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to think like that because my lifestyle doesn't include um, flying around in a private plane. And so... Um, he said, let me call my dad and see if it's a possibility. I said, that'd be great. That would be wonderful. So as he's calling his parents in the back seat, I have another kid in the front seat calling his parents, letting him know what happened. And it was very interesting to listen to both of the conversations. One was very connected and one was very disconnected. Um, as the kids were talking about their experience to their parents, um, the, the child in the backseat who was asking his dad if he could fly the part down was very um, validating, and I could tell that he was being validated. I, could, you know, I couldn't hear the conversation on the other end, but I could tell that he was very connected. He was being um, very vulnerable. He shared how he felt. He was being emotionally open and transparent. Um, he was empathizing, and I could tell they were empathizing back. He was relating to his parents, you know, how he had experienced this. And, um, and then simultaneously, the person in the front seat called his parents, and the parents were fear-based and worried and, um, you know, were dramatic, if I can just put it that way. And I won't go into much detail, but it was a very different experience, even though we were all having the exact same experience. It was other people's connection or disconnection being projected onto the experience. The kid in the front seat whose parents were being disconnected, he was being very connecting. He was saying, we're fine, everything's fine, and then he'd pause and then say, no, I hadn't thought about that, or don't worry about that, Mom, or it's okay, or I'll, I'll tell Jody that, or you know, don't be scared, and, and he was trying to, to um, invite his parents into more connection. Um, whereas the person in the back seat, the parents were like, you know, those kind of things happen. I'm glad you're safe. Um, and so he gets off the phone and uh, says to me, yep, it's a go. My dad um, is flying tomorrow morning. And so we'll just call the store tomorrow at 730. If they have the part, my mom will go pick it up. She'll take it to my father. And my father will fly it down to um, one of the airports around here. So I was... I still, when I tell the story, it's just amazing that, um, you know, someone would be so kind and loving and thoughtful and connected to do such a generous and um, compassionate act of service for us so that we could get on our way. Uh, the kid in the front seat, he got off the phone and he was quiet. And I said, what did your parents say? And he's like, oh, my mom's just really scared now. And I said, would it help if I called her? And he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe you could call her tomorrow morning. And I, I knew this woman. I said, I'll call her tomorrow morning and let her know that, you know, everything's fine and that you're safe. And, and he just was, was silent. He was just kind of quiet. And I could tell that he was sad because he didn't feel like he was in any kind of danger or he wasn't worried until he got off the phone with his parents. And then he was. And so he went from a connected space into a very disconnected space, um, and it only took a few minutes for the kids to be talking to him, to have him you know, kind of snap out of that. But that was just the juxtaposition of what was going on in the front seat versus the back seat. Um, and so, 
we uh, wake up the next morning. Sure enough, we call the place. They have the part. Um, we tell them what we need. We tell them what side of the boat it's on. We need the axle. It's a, it's a, a particular, um, specific part that, um, that, that, uh, hooks onto the, the boat trailer and, um, called this guy's parents and the mother went and picked it up. And, um, by 10 o'clock, the father was in the air delivering that part down to uh, where we where we were at um, and it was very interesting because he was going to fly into a particular airport and the father was so helpful and willing to support us that um, he flew right into the town that we were in whereas he was going to fly into a bigger airport but he was willing, um, instead of us driving to another airport, which would take more time, he went right to the um, municipal airport of uh, the town that we were in. And by 12 o'clock noon, we had the part in our hands, and um, Rick's one of Rick's family members went and picked it up, so more connecting behavior, went and picked it up, and took it over to the store so that Rick could put it on the um, the trailer. Um, so as all this was happening, we were in southern Utah at uh, the location where we where we stayed, and we were trying to print off some papers that I needed to take on this trip, and um, a family member of mine knew how to work the printer, and I did not. And so as I was going into drama again, like, oh my goodness, I can't print this thing off and we've got to get back up to Beaver to get the part and his dad's already in the air, we've got to get on the road. And I was just panicking, fear, feeling fear, worry, concern. Um, my family member took time off of work and came home and within 20, 30 minutes printed that thing off. Very connecting behavior. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll come home. I'll help you out. Um, whereas... I could have had someone else, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, my family member could have said, no, I'm not helping you. I'm not interested in, in uh, getting time off of work. You know, you, you didn't tell me about this, and so you're going to have to wait till I get home. Um, and not, not that that kind of a boundary wouldn't have been appropriate, but with that kind of attitude, that kind of motive, kind of like I want to punish you or um, I'm just going to be selfish, that's the stuff that makes it disconnecting. It's not so much the, the words, it's about the motive behind the person speaking. That's how you know if disconnection is coming at you um, or if you're in a disconnected state. So he came home, very helpful, kind, loving, helped us with the printer. So we got on the road, started heading back north. And by the time we got to um, the town of Beaver, the plane had already landed and the part was in Rick's hands. So the boys um, spent the rest of the day. Rick was really busy that day and, and couldn't get to it until that afternoon. And so instead of moping around and being disconnected or complaining, everyone had really great spirits. Everybody was, was projecting connection onto this experience. And so they spent time playing board games, um, playing cards. Um, Rick's wife came over and all of us were talking to her throughout the afternoon and just having really good connecting conversations. 
Uh, we left there around mm, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, I think. And we still had another four hours to drive. Um, and so we were going to get in um, around midnight, 1 o'clock. And as we were driving along, um, some of the boys started becoming tired. And um, one of the boys started complaining a little bit. And so another example of disconnect. Um, but we did have the air conditioner, and so they appreciated that. So that was an experience of connection. Um, again, watch the motives. It's the motives behind the way that you are experiencing your experiences. Okay? So it's not just the words that are connected or disconnected. It's what's driving the words. So someone could be complaining, and it could be legitimate. Like, I'm super hot. Now, that could sound complaining, but the truth is, is that in our truck prior to stopping and getting the air conditioner fixed, it was super hot. And so um, that would not have been a disconnecting comment. But if I would have continued and if I would have started going into blame or shame or entitlement, that's when I start disconnecting. So um, as we were driving along, I realized that I did not have my credit card. And so I had called Rick and said, hey, did I take my credit card from you? And he goes, yeah, you did, and I couldn't find it. And I started going into disconnect as I was driving, thinking, oh, my goodness, what if it dropped on the ground? What if somebody picks it up? What if somebody uses it before I can get it canceled? What if, what if, what if? And that was very dramatic, and so I started disconnecting. And then I caught myself and said, stop. You know, if somebody picks it up and somebody uses it, you know, I'll just take care of the consequences you know, hopefully my credit card company will not charge me. And if they do, then it's it's my responsibility. I'm the one that lost it. Um, and then as I was experiencing that, a deer ran right across the road. And we just about hit it. In fact, I don't know how we didn't not hit it. It was just so, it just kind of got, it, it disappeared in front of the car. Because the truck is so big, it got so close that we couldn't see it in front of the grill. Um and after that deer ran in front of the car, um, <laughs> we all were very, because everybody saw it because I had to slam on the brakes and I had this big boat behind me, so it really lurched forward. Um, and all of us were shocked and a little bit scared, um, but it didn't appear that anyone disconnected. They just responded according to what the experience was. I mean, shock and fear um, and concern were an appropriate or were appropriate emotions for the experience. Um, gratitude that we didn't hit the thing. And so um, we get to our destination to the lake and um, everybody was um, tired and they weren't grouchy but they were tired and so we went into the hotel room and just slept until noon the next day. <laughs> um, and I'll just stop the story right there because um, the, the, the real part that I wanted you to hear was the experience around the tire and all the connecting, disconnecting things that were that each person could project or not project onto the experience. Um, here's an example of disconnecting behavior, okay? So just specific situations. So I've had, um, I had a woman tell me one time that she was uh, doing a humanitarian project 
and um, she needed to go to the airport, like a, like um, to a hangar, to put a bunch of pallets onto a plane. And she was the only one in charge of it. And so she had to be there. She was like the one that had organized this whole thing. And all of a sudden she started having chest pains. And she said she was in physical pain. And she needed to stop what she was doing and, and you know, sit down or go get some help. And she said she was even crying because the pain was so great. Um, and when people would say, are you okay? She'd say, I'm fine, I'm okay. And um, her concern was that she didn't want people um, to feel like she was a bother or that she was, um, you know, not going to follow through with her commitments. And so that kind of experience is a very disconnecting experience because here she was having pain. She wasn't feeling well. She was even crying because of the pain. And when somebody noticed it and said, are you okay, which is a very connecting comment, she disconnected. And actually invalidated herself and the person saying, no, I'm fine. Because her shame message is, I don't want to bother people. Okay, that's a disconnection. Um, road rage is disconnection. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, a lot of times all or somebody else will walk into a, a, a facility and the person in front of you does not hold the door or, you know, they just let it, you know, they, they just walk in and they, it's like they don't sense that somebody's behind them. They're just not connected to their environment. So they just shut the door behind you. Um, or you'll be having a conversation and you'll say something that's quite emotional and the person that's listening, quote unquote, listening to you doesn't respond in, in, um, a congruent manner with a congruent emotion according to what you were emoting with. So it's very, very confusing. It, it feels really disconnecting. So disconnection is supported through feeling emotions that are uncomfortable. Okay, so when I feel emotions like anxiety, fear, shame, confusion, entitlement, worry, pride, go into victim, have expectations that I want someone else to meet, if I have skewed perceptions, when I feel those kind of feelings, it is a, um, it's a setup to go into disconnect. Now, just because I feel those feelings doesn't mean I will disconnect, but if I'm not conscious and I'm feeling those things, I have a high propensity of going into disconnect. Um, it's only by being conscious and recognizing what I'm reacting to um, that I'll be able to not disconnect and I can change it. So once I'm conscious, then I can be responsible to choose my, my response. And I can respond in, in honesty and in health and in, in vulnerability and validation. And if I feel too scared to do that for whatever reason, like it doesn't feel safe to respond um, in validation and vulnerability, I can look at what or why I'm afraid and connect to what is uncomfortable. And when I do this, this will lead me right into understanding myself and give me um, an opportunity to choose a different way, a way to connect. So it's really, really powerful. Connection versus disconnection. I want to say it again. Experience is neutral. We were all having experiences during that, you know, 10 o'clock at night till 1 o'clock in the morning time frame. Well, it was actually 1 o'clock in the morning the next day. And everybody was projecting their own thoughts and their own feelings onto the experience. And so I 
can only interpret what other people are sending to me and what it feels like. It either feels connecting or feels disconnecting. The person I'm really responsible for is myself. I am responsible to identify if I am connected or I'm disconnected. And so remember, connection is about being vulnerable, being validating, being open, being transparent, being willing to be responsible for myself, being emotionally available, um, having empathy, being able to witness myself and other people. And disconnect is when I go into drama, where I have fear and I react to it, or I have anxiety and I'm reacting to it, or I have perceptions that I, I don't check out the reality of the perceptions. I just make up a story around my reality and I react to it. That is how I disconnect, all right? And so um, there's no way to describe all the different ways to disconnect because there are millions of them. But the one thing that disconnection always has in comma, common is that I will go into a state of drama. And again, if you don't know what drama is, please, please listen to the podcast on drama. There's, there's two podcasts that are entitled drama. And then there's a couple others that are in the list that have drama um, stories in them. So I hope that this was helpful, understanding the power of connection and also the power of disconnection and how quickly with the power of our choice, we can either animate one or the other. And what's awesome is that because we have choice, if we are in a disconnected place, we can stop and we can become conscious and we can choose with our next choice to become connected. Um, going back to the story with my dog um, over the weekend, um, when she was acting out in anxiety, one of the ways that I connected with her is I sat in front of her once I got to my destination. I just looked in her eyes and I apologized to her. And I said, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm sorry that I was really upset. I was anxious and I apologize and I shouldn't have yelled at you. I, I, I really um, feel badly. And, you know, she's kind of looking all around and who knows if she understood, but hopefully she could feel um, that I was being sweet and loving and gentle with her. That is one way that, that I use to get from disconnect back into connection is to own my behavior and um, um, make restitution for it or repent of it or um, go into a place of forgiveness towards others. It is instantaneous connection. So I hope you enjoyed that story. And um, between now and then, stay connected to yourself. And if you find yourself disconnecting, which you will, because you can't be connected all the time, just be gentle, be loving, be compassionate, and use your free agency. Use your choice to make a conscious next decision to get back into connection. Take care, and we'll talk to each other soon. Bye-bye. We so appreciate you and your support in spreading this crucial message to your family, your friends, and your coworkers. Your greatest compliment to us would be for you to refer your loved ones to the podcast and classes at connectionsclassroom.com. Please go on to YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram and follow us for continual education, motivation, and truth. Stay connected, my friends.